0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody,
1: and let's get to pumping, cause it's 30 days the time, baby. Rip City is jumping now. Okay, Brindle, up the middle. Oh. Oh. Right.
0: Come on, everybody! All right, everybody, welcome to the 269th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man.
1: Yeah, I'm here live and direct. I just spent the last. Two days doing a 2K event. I'm very close to finishing my goal and then not having to play 2K as much. So,
0: you sounded relieved. I thought you were all in on 2K. as a new game caught your heart, caught your attention?
1: I can be a legend in a few days. And then there's no, once you reach legend in season four, there's no reason. So, I just kind of want to see what that's like. And then I play it like every day. So, you know, just to have a break from. Playing with people that annoy me, like I, I, I have kind of started yelling "low processing speed" at my teammates, like a lot. So, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
0: god! <laughs> I was just thinking of what, in every work setting if you would go up to a coworker and yell "low processing speed."
1: Well, in in basketball scouting, it's 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 okay to say because. Yo, people thought Bam had low processing speed, and he proved every one of the people that said that wrong. So maybe one of my shitter teammates that I get placed with randomly will prove me wrong, and I, you know, I won't. I I'll feel bad about saying they have low processing speed.
0: I know you like 2K, and I know you played a lot, but I feel like it's a chore for you. At least it, recently. At,
1: at some point, it is. Yeah, like with with how they're doing it in terms of level progression, like. Now it's, you have to get to level 40 every season and every season's two weeks, like every season's like a month and a half. So you you have to grind really hard to get this one thing. And part of it is absolutely a chore, but I enjoy it. It's just that I'm playing it a lot. Do you do any other modes to break it up or do you play any other video games? Shoot, what was it? Tuesday, I streamed Fortnite with a friend of the show, Dark Moosey. And that was cool. But most, I mean, most of my efforts are in 2K. And then, you know, I'll play Halo. I'll play Fortnite a little bit. But, I mean, the only game I'm actually good at is NBA 2K. I just posted a TikTok about the uh, the event, the 2K event that I participated in. The lag was so bad, I, co- I couldn't trust my shot. So it was a lot of me just breaking down the defense and getting to the right spots, and then being a playmaker, like in a future podcast that we do, we talk about. I've, I have found the, the
0: affinity for, for gaming as well. Like I used to be somebody who would like, after NCAA football stopped being made due to, I think the copyright and the lawsuit and the, basically paying the players, that was my game. I would get every year and I would just play a ton of it. Every once in a while, I probably get 2k every other year, but I kind of just like, I don't know, maybe I need to get it every two years. But Olga got me the Nintendo Switch for Christmas, and we just bought a game this weekend called Luigi's Mansion Three. It's just so fun. I I, I don't know. I think those are my my jam. Uh, it's it's kind of like quirky and like you can go discovering and finding new things, and um, I, I love the Mario World. So like we've been. You know we did a lot of chores this weekend but then we just came home and just went on the couch and like just stayed up all night playing games it's it just it's such a break from reality and uh it's also really good like hand eye control like Olga was was telling me that I think like surgeons are like recommended to play at least three hours of
1: games a week so they can and I would, my, my, my stick skills would be otherworldly bro
0: <laughs> so you'd be a god level surgeon with how you're on
1: the sticks I I know I wouldn't be because when, like, I have to take a picture of somebody on my phone, my hand shakes like a motherfucker, (laughs) so I know that I wouldn't be good with a scalpel. I remember playing the original Luigi's Mansion on a GameCube, so I feel really old. My gaming is either I am the most precise motherfucker ever, or I am the most... It looks like I'm cheating for the other team level of player, so... It goes, it, it moves on from game to game. Either I will get like, I'll get the most kills or the least kills. So, I I mean, maybe sometimes, but yeah, I, if I'm, if I'm taking somebody's selfie or, or say taking some, someone's picture and my hands doing that, I don't think I'd be the most precise.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I can picture you getting pretty shook just like out of your element.
1: Yeah, well, if if me taking a picture of a girl makes me sh- my handshake, I don't know what the hell I would do with somebody's life in my hands. Yeah, <laughs> but was I was a so- de- but I was also a DJ that had to mix records, so maybe maybe my weird hand eye coordination works on some things and other things it's atrocious.
0: Maybe you just let. Uh... Your emotions get the best of you when it comes to taking a picture of a pretty person.
1: Yeah, because uh, if anybody ever saw me DJ for the Portland State Vikings in 2012 and 2013, they would see somebody hate fucking the crowd every night. <laughs> I hated that shit so much, bro. It was just like, I'm going to have to play these play these 40 records, and I'm going to get the hell out of here and get my check.
0: <laughs> As the great Rasheed Wallace once said... CTC baby, cut the check. That's all that counts. Speaking of Rashid's former team, Portland trailblazers uh, coming off of a four and two road trip. They had four games this week, starting with the Orlando magic on Monday, winning 98 to 88. CJ McCollum made his debut after coming back from a collapsed lung and giving his wife, giving birth to their first child, a boy, I believe, uh, I saw the on Instagram, uh, Jacoby James McCollum. So congratulations are in order once again to CJ and Elise. Portland then lost to Miami 104-92 as the heat clamped up in that fourth quarter. Boston gave Portland a victory and they gladly accepted. Portland came back in the closing minutes to defeat the Celtics 109-105 to on what was a game-winning put back by Yusuf Nurkic, and then Portland cl- uh, concluded, excuse me, their road trip with a 114-105 victory in the Great White North. Got a little close for comfort after blowing a 30-plus point lead. Anthony Simons hit two threes late to seal the deal. The Blazers, as it stands, are 20-26. and 26. They are two games behind the Clippers for ninth but two and a half games in front of the Pelicans for 11th. So they're sitting at 10th. Tankathon has them right now sitting in ninth in the lottery position, which equates to a 20.3% chance at getting a top four pick and a 4.5% chance at landing that number one overall
1: pick. Who do they have uh, at the ninth? AJ?
0: AJ Griffith, small forward, Duke University. I like him. Sage, what is your good for the week? I,
1: I, this might be boring, but like, I think that Yusuf Nurkic is almost always a huge part in every single win that we have. Like, the, the game against the Boston Celtics, he hit that uh, that that crazy putback, and I'm like, damn, Yusuf, you're really trying. Um, I mean, our our guards look good, but I think I think Yusuf's the if he doesn't have a good game, we're going to lose, and that, that's a weird thing to say, like. He's always been, like, the X factor, but it, it, he's, like, the core now. He, his role has changed to being, like, a really high usage rate, big minute center, and, like, we depend on him for high-level play. And it's not a quinky dink that when the, he played against Bam and Joker, he had substandard games. Well, I mean, the Nuggets game, we were just so bad that it didn't matter. But Bam had an excellent game. Like when we win, Yusuf Nurkic, his fingerprints are all over that game.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of been the story on Yusuf Nurkic during his tenure in Portland. You look at the highs, uh, 29, 17 boards, six assists in that performance against the Boston Celtics, shot 13 free throws, shot 56% from the field. Go to Orlando, putting up 21 points, 22 boards. again. 48% from the field, playing big minutes, 36 against Orlando, 38 against Boston. However, it seems like when he does go up against an elite big man or someone that is a noticeable tier above him, his play shrinks rather than even flattens out. It was a complete non-factor against Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets to start this road trip. Uh, Just 10 points, 8 boards, 6 assists, as you mentioned probably, but what I'm saying is like, even you can throw that game out and you can go and you can look back at the last time we played the Nuggets. Even again, in a game we won by 19, 6.7 rebounds in 24 minutes of action. Like Jokic always gets the better end of him. We saw that in the postseason last year. Uh, I can't remember the last time we've actually matched up against Joel Embiid. It feels like he's always injured, but Bam seems to have a good games against him. I remember Hassan back when he was doing his thing with the Heat would have good games. It just feels like Nurk has such a high ceiling but such a low floor. It's hard to find a little bit of common ground. So in that in in that spirit, my good for the week was actually the Blazers upping their trade value. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic as an expiring contract. I think there are some teams out there that could say this is our missing piece. He is a playmaker. He is a dominant rebounder when engaged. Um, if you're looking for him to be the fourth or fifth best player on your starting lineup, you're going to have a good time. I mean, that's the bottom line. If he is your fourth or fifth best player in your starting five, you're going to dominate because he is an elite player at that tier. It's when you try to ask him to be the one or two that he's going to have those inconsistent performances, but I thought he really elevated his stock. I thought Robert Covington hitting that, that clutch three against the Celtics teams out there are looking for three and D again, on a good contract. Any team that acquires him is going to have his bird rights and then you also look at CJ McCollum and I don't think he's improved his draft or his trade stock but it hasn't declined either he's came back after a long absence and it's kind of been business as usual for CJ so that's been good to see so i think any team that would be looking to acquire him knows that he's he's consistently where he's at like he's not i don't think he has much room to grow but his floor is so high that you don't really get really bad games from CJ. He's pretty dang consistent. That's been his calling card over the course of the year. And then clearly if Portland is interested in moving Anthony Simons, I I don't know how much higher the, the value is going to get as he continues to kind of shine as he leads this team. You know, Portland came into this road trip with just two wins on the road, yet they conclude this six game trip by doubling that total. They go four and two, like the road record overall is still abysmal, but it's trending in the right direction. And I don't think it's a coincidence, Sage, that they're winning without the three-guard lineup. I know Nance and Lillard and Powell are out, but all of those players play similar positions that they already have talent at. It, I think it's really been beneficial to have a legit small forward in the Seer Little. Like you have a, a normal-sized lineup out there where you're not getting killed at every single position and I think you're seeing the benefits of proper roster construction, proper, you know, chemistry, and how teams uh, can kind of complement one another. It's not the level it needs to be at, but it's a step in that direction where Portland clearly needs to go, and something that was missing through probably since
1: they dealt Harkless and Minu. When when Dame's healthy, they defer to Dame a lot. So now that he's gone, it's time for CJ to establish what he can do and to establish what he can do, Yusuf to establish what he can do. So all these players are playing a role up, and statistically, they're all playing well. One thing that I've noticed a lot with CJ is, is like a cornerback. He's in those passing lanes. Like when, when opposing teams try and pass it in his area, I think he's getting one or two steals a game just playing the passing lanes. It's something that I've seen, like, only in, like, the playoffs against Denver, him reading passing lanes like this. But it was kind of odd to see, like, him just in off ball, reading the eyes of the point guard, and then reacting and getting steals. So it was like a, like, we know what CJ is, to see that wrinkle in his game, to to make plays. I mean, like, obviously, our defense is, substandard. So we have to rely on those type of momentum steals. And he's been doing really well in that that setting in like the off ball. And he's definitely been more communicative than I've ever seen him. So maybe that's like the whole leadership thing of like our main guy is out so it's time for us to step up. But I've seen CJ make a lot more plays defensively than I would have normally seen him play. He looks a lot more engaged defensively, which is you know a good thing for everybody involved when you're trying to increase value and in trade or and win games in theory. So yeah, CJ is playing really good. If you're bad for the week. I am not mad at Anthony. When the Celtics went on their run, I don't know, i I, I don't think you saw it, but what they did was they switched out Horford onto Anthony Simons and there was like a seven-minute drought for the Trailblazers. He could not get past old-ass Al Horford. He w- Al Horford would get blocks, really good contested shots. It was weird to see someone like 21 years old getting clamped by somebody who is like 35. I- and I know like Al is a good perimeter defender, but when you're trying to show that you're a playmaker and you can – make that defense bend when the Celtics preferred Al Horford to be on you. It wasn't the best thing in the world. And I know that it was a game of runs. The Celtics dropped the bag completely and totally, but for like seven minutes in the third to the fourth, we couldn't get anything happening. And it was because Al Horford switched on to Anthony Simons and he couldn't break them down. I would say my bad for the week.
0: And it really all depends on where you sit in terms of what you want from this season. So I'm not trying to be a deputy downer. I clearly want a draft pick. So seeing Portland go four and two, ooh, that, that's rough for me when I'm I'm studying prospects. I'm trying to watch any college games I can. We're recording these future Fridays. I'm starting to get hopeful that we're going to get a pick to draft these players but knowing that Chicago is over there lurking, thinking, "Yeah, just keep winning these games, sneak into that playoff, and we'll reap the rewards of that 15 or 16 pick." So I know, I know this team. They do this every year. That they make a bit of a they start out out of the block slow. They make a mid season mid season to late season push, and then they fizzle out in the playoffs. Now, this isn't to say be pissed off if they win. No, if you're enjoying watching them and winning by all means, go ahead. Like I'm not telling anybody how to be a fan. If you would, however you consume the trailblazers, whatever makes you happy, go for it. Like that's fantastic. Me personally, I I kind of, I'm not going to fall for that. This, this trap again, it feels very fool's gold to me. And I, I just want to make sure that they are able to reset because Sooner or later, you're going to get Larry Nance back. You're going to get Norman Powell back. Where are those players going to fit? And and we've seen how this team plays when they go small. They're not going to bench CJ. Uh, I think Nasir has earned his spot. But what are you going to do with Norman Powell? It's, It's a very interesting place for the Trailblazers to be in and general manager Joe Cronin to be in. Because we are still 18 days away from the trade deadline, uh, Damian Lillard uh, earlier this week gave a press conference updating the status of his surgery, which he said was a success. And he said, you know, he's he's taking the long term approach. So I, I am relieved to hear that because usually the Blazers go as as Dame goes. So if he's saying whatever happens happens, th- that's great. I I just wouldn't want the Blazers to kind of. Fall and be a prisoner of the moment, to take a phrase that, that you like like to say and say, Oh, we really can be good. You start looking at the standings and say, yeah, we can beat this team and that team. I, I don't think the Blazers are a contender this year. I, I think Phoenix and Golden State in the West are a cut above. And then out East, they there are a few beasts that I don't I don't think Portland would want to uh tussle with, um, even though getting to an NBA finals appearance would be a massive success. So for me, I think it's it's out, it's out weighing out. It's great seeing the young players do well, but also like, ooh, I really want to get off of this, you know, treadmill, and it might have to come at the sacrifice of a loss. So it's a very difficult season personally for me because it's never fun to hope that a team doesn't get the win. That's what you play the game for. But the way the NBA is constructed, you either have to be elite or down at the bottom. And right now Portland's kind of still treading waters. They've got their floaties on, and it's going to be interesting to see how the team plays in those 18 days leading up to the deadline, because by all accounts, Portland is going to be a seller. So, you know, what are they going to do and how are they going to perform? Um, It's just, it's a franchise like the Pacers that hasn't been prone to trying to tank. So it'll be interesting to see.
1: Until the NBA stops doing a lottery or stops doing a draft in general, the best way to team build is to suck and get a young player to develop and hope that he be, hits his ceiling and is a franchise changer. So until that method is fixed by the NBA, the best thing to do if you're a middling team with not like a your superstars injured the best thing to do is absolutely tank. My ugly is I don't know what's happening with Norman Powell, and I hope for his sake that he's doing well. Like They, they went from saying health and safety protocols to personal, so I just hope that he is uh, doing better. So Yeah, I would agree with that. It's been personal almost since the Washington game mm-hmm. when he was supposed to
0: return. My theory is maybe they are working on a trade for him and they don't want to go into that – kind of sticky scenario where it's like, what do we do with Nas, CJ, and Ant, and Norm? You only have three spots for four players to start. Um, don't really want to rock the boat. That That's just a theory th- that I have. Um, I would hope it was that theory because like you said, I, I hope nothing's wrong personally. And usually these things get reported out like, oh, he's dealing with a family issue or or something, but we haven't really heard. So I, I hope everything legitimately is okay with, with Norman. Um, I think mine would just kind of be an extension of what I was touching on, just hoping that Joe Cronin still sees that long-term future of, okay, we've got players that don't fit. We can't let them walk for nothing. How can we build a competent contender that kind of complements around each other, uh, restocking our draft picks. And if we're going to make a push, go ahead and do that in in the off season. But you have to kind of get those assets in line now. Like I remember – the 15, 16 Blazers that off season six of Portland's top seven players left. We all thought they were going to tank by all means. They were going to, you know, Dame didn't let that happen. They ended up winning a playoff series and pushing the Warriors to to five. And, you know, it was a fun year, but I think looking back, it was, it kind of came with a big caveat because then it forced management and ownership to, shell out a bag for a bunch of I would say mediocre players and it really put one hand behind Portland's back for the next four years financially that they couldn't really sign uh mid-level free mid-level free agents uh they couldn't really do a whole bunch and it was because of this unexpected season so it was short-term you know enjoyment but the long-term effects of it really hampered Portland so um my ugly would just be if they were like, yeah, let's try to win this year. And they kept Covington and they kept Nurkic and they basically ran it back. They said, Oh, we do think this can work. Let's give it another year. I think we're this, this core has already had one to two, too many years. So that would be my ugly as if all of a sudden the, the game plan changed and they said, we need to win now. Um, And they, they went for it because, you know, as great as Nurk's been playing, we, we've I, I, I've seen him have his highs, have his lows. Um, you kind of just feel like it's going to come back down to earth. I don't think you want to be the team that that pays him that long term salary. From what Clutch is going to look for, um, I think he's probably going to be looking at a deal with with what kind of Stephen Adams uh, got back when he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, so that, that that's that's where I'm at right now. It's like it's just this really weird spot where I wish they could just simulate to the trade deadline and kind of figure that out. And then you whatever happens the rest of the year happens. But I, I think, number one, get under the tax so you're able to use your mid-level exception in the offseason and stock up on some picks or young players that can really grow with you. And you feel like you have a good
1: core going into next year. Are you on the I mean, I think Covington has gone. I think Nurk. Are you trading him for anything, or would would the right trade have to happen for Yusuf? Oh yeah, Covington. I I, I would take. I assume that he's gone. I I
0: think you have to get anything you can get for Covington. I think you're going to get a first round pick, a late first round pick, something protected, um, probably similar to what um Cam Reddish got from. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks in that New York Knicks package. They got a protected pick from, from Charlotte. Yeah, I think you you, you try to get the first for Cove. A lot of teams could use him. Uh, Chicago comes to mind. Um, with Nurk, I don't give him away. But at, on the, it, it's a very tough conundrum with Yusuf Nurkic because if if I don't give him away, if I don't trade him, then I think you, you sign him. You, you don't, if you keep him through the deadline, I think you do that with the intent of signing him. And I say that because you're not going to bench him. You're going to keep playing him. And if you're going to keep playing him, he's going to perform well, like he's been doing in this role, which is going to lead to more victories. So you might as well say he is going to be part of our future, part of our, our main core. And you roll with it that way. Um, I don't think it makes any sense. I mean, you can't tank with you. Nurkic I think he's one of the main reasons why they're playing so well is because he's, he's that X factor. You, you say it every time. If Nurk has a good game, Portland probably wins, but I think that's, it's, it's a really slippery slope for for Joe Crowden because I don't think you want to gift him to the golden state warriors, but you know, if you can pry away some value, a young prospect, some picks, um, You have to do it. Like, I I think this is the the time to move off of Yusuf Nurkic. He's going to want to get paid like a one or two option, which he's right now on a losing team, rather than a fourth or fifth option, which I think best suits him and a contending team that he would land on. Like if he goes to Golden State, he's going to be probably the fifth best player in that starting five and they're going to be lethal. But if he comes back to Portland, he's going to probably believe, okay, I'm, I'm the number two option. I want to get paid like the number two option. I've got some, some seniority in this damn place. Um, so it, it, it's, it's a weird thing. He's also very close with Damien Lillard. So uh, Nurkic is the player that I am most keeping my eye on at the deadline as to what Cronin does. Like you said, I, I full-heartedly believe that Covington's going to get moved. But, but Nurk's the one that, that I think has the real ability to bring Portland back something nice. Like, if they're trying to get a big fish, I don't think it's with Nurkic. I think it's with what Nurkic brings you mm-hmm. in a
1: trade. And because I was thinking about, um, we just released the Chet episode. I think that Nurkic would be a good fit for him. Or um, I was thinking about Jalen Duran. And I think that, Jalen is a better play, well, could be a better player than Yusuf, but year one rookie Jalen Durant will get bullied, and I would like to treat him with some kid glove, just like we would want to do with with uh, Chet. So I'm like, is there a way that we can get a good center just in case we get lucky in in the draft and get Chet or Jalen or one of these centers that have potential? Like, I'm, is, would Yusuf take a one year big money deal like? Or I guess, you know, like bigs right now. I don't now, think so. Probably, Not
0: with his injury history. And yeah. I, I think he would be right to some look for something long-term to secure his finances. Yeah. It,
1: it, and I get it. Like with centers, you can find a useful guy for very cheap. Like if, if we took Jalen, it would be like, all right, random center. You play the most of the minutes, and then we'll let our rookie get all the – you know, all the running against second units, build his confidence. And then in the next, you know, the, the trade deadline will trade our center away and Jalen will be the guy type of thing. So, you know, like just thinking about, you know, options with the draft, if we have a good draft pick and uh, I am enjoying how he's playing, but I see that. He would want more than I'm willing to pay for what he's offering and what he's providing for this team winning games. I'm kind of thinking if there's anything beneficial, like a pick or a, a, a young player that has potential, I think we have to say bye to Yusuf, but what he's doing for this team is making us competitive. Cause we've seen what happens when it's, when it's Cody Zeller or Larry Nance or Robert Covington playing the five, we, we get embarrassed. So Yusuf really is that, that linchpin between all time awful and, respectable respectable Yeah.
0: looking at the Blazers who they have as trade chips, who are some other maybe undervalued players players who haven't hit their potential players buried on the depth chart if this is truly a developmental season who are some flyers you would like to take on that could help Portland develop now but really be a productive player uh Next year and the following year with Dame. Hmm.
1: that's a very good question. Um my first thought was like someone like Denzo Valentine, but he's like twenty eight years old now, so that doesn't really work, does it? I would take a chances on guys like I had really high ranks on Isaiah Joe from Philly, and I think that they need some they need some help um if like let's say we trade Robert Covington for to Philly. I would like to have Isaiah Joe back because he's a probably he was probably the second or third best three-point shooter in the draft. Phoenix has one too many centers. Jalen Smith would be cool. Um
0: I heard the thing about Jalen Smith, which is tricky because Phoenix declined his option mm-hmm. that you basically have to use whatever cap space you have to sign him. Like you could only offer him so much because they um declined his option so it, they they really kind of did him dirty and any other team that wants him but it's unfortunate because he's been playing well in in spot minutes
1: you know I would take a chance on whatever spur wing that they don't want because they got Lonnie they got David and they got uh Keldon Johnson Keldon Johnson the, the rookie this year too so they have a lot of wings for Primo. Now, what was it again Primo Primo I dog I thought it was Pinto for a second so <laughs> Um, yeah, I would take a chance on any of those young Spurs wings because it, they, they can't keep all of those guys and try and develop them for the future. There's just one too many guy for the spots that is allowed. And if, if given my chance, I take Devin, but I think that they would think Devin's the best as well. So Lonnie Walker doesn't get consistent minutes. I think that he would be a good person to target. Who do you have? Yeah, there are a couple
0: that I think would be really good for Portland to kind of kick the tires on. Um, first and foremost, Atlanta seems to be having a fire sale. So there are two players from Atlanta, if they're willing to to take veterans for. Uh, Onyeka Akongwu is uh, the center that was taken sixth overall mm-hmm. in the 2020 draft. He was my number one player. Um, on the board he's buried behind clint capella who they have been rumored to say that capella and trey young are the two players they're not moving both are fives they don't share the floor together so i think he could be had and i think you're looking at a future starting center of of, a building block
1: i think he's a very Um, good
0: player in a congo he's mobile he's defensive minded he you know just cleans the cleans the glass there is a lot of raw talent there uh, then if you go to the wing, they are loaded with wings. If you could get a, a chance to pry away DeAndre Hunter, from,
1: I think that they they've been playing Hunter a lot of big minutes now.
0: They they said he's on there, so if they, if they really want to go, oh, I, I, in,
1: I, is he a four? What does DeAndre Hunter fuck up Nasir Little's minutes?
0: I I would, I, I don't. Here's the thing: I love Nasir Little. I I don't think he's a player that you say we're not trading his his position just because we have Nasir
1: Little. Yeah, I'm trying to just think about fit with hit, with Hunter and Little on the floor, and then if we don't trade use of Nurkic, that's that's three non shooters. And I mean well, we do it anyway, but still,
0: here's kind of my philosophy with that: is if you could get a guy like DeAndre Hunter without using Nasir Little, you're probably going to have to use Nasir Little or Anthony Simons to get that big fish that you want to play with Dame. I, I, I've seen some ideas out there from fans that still have the Blazers keeping Dame and Anthony and still acquiring like a Jalen Brown or a Ben Simmons. Like, I, I don't see that happening. You're going to have to, that, that's the part about, you know, buying low and selling high. Like you, you have to sell high. And there, there's a reason why teams want our young prospects. Like you, you can't just give them pennies on the dollar. Like it, it takes, you have to give to get. And I, I understand Blazer fans not wanting to move probably two of the biggest bright spots uh, of the season, but I think there has to be some some realism when it comes to evaluating these players as prospects. I was guilty as that as all hell growing up, like any sign of life from a player. I was like, no, we're holding on to them. From dear <laughs> life. A great anecdote of this was a um, good buddy of mine, Matt, um, circa 0707. 07, yeah, it was when the Blazers were in that 13 game win streak and Martel Webster. Had a 24 point third quarter, and Martel was the player we we traded down for. We passed on Chris Paul, we passed on Darren Williams, but because we played the Jazz, my buddy was like, "Hmm, you know, w- if you could do it right now, would you trade Martell for Darren Williams?" I legit thought about it. I was like, yeah, "I don't <laughs> know." Martell just scored 24. I was a prisoner of that moment. I still yeah. believed in Martell Webster. Clearly, hindsight is 2020, and I should have said, "Yeah, I would take Darren Williams in a nanosecond," but because I had my, my blinders on. I was like, no, I want to see this player that we drafted develop, you know, have the storybook ending with Portland. It it never happened. Martell was a streaky shooter who happened to have a ceiling performance to keep that winning streak alive. And it was a a memorable performance that I'll never forget. But it it also is my anecdote to say, okay, let's not overvalue what we have. Like if you can get a proven all-star caliber talent, who is still somewhat young, you go for the proven player every time. My, my general philosophy is if you're in a trade and you're getting the best player out of that trade, you're probably going to win nine times out of ten.
1: Mm. I'm trying to think of other players that are stuck on a depth chart. Um, the guy that came to mind was Shuma Okiki. Oh, that is a great Orlando has so many has wings a and so many guards
0: players to pick from. Sage, that, that is a great pick. He actually didn't even play his rookie year because he was rehabbing from his ACL. So his contract didn't even kick in that year. So he still has another year or so left on that cost control player. He is another solid uh, three and D bouncy. Um, I I loved him coming out of the draft and he performed a little bit well, but Orlando seems to just get players at the same position and just bunch them up.
1: I mean, if we needed a guard, RJ Hampton would be a good, would be a good option, but it's just, we don't really need another sh- uh, guard on this team currently, but I'm trying. Like Terrence Davis doesn't really get that much shine in uh, Sacramento. I know I've mentioned him before, but I think he's a good wing player. I mean, if
0: Sacramento wanted to give us a pick, a first round pick, I would do a Marvin Bagley for Covington swap. Otherwise, I, I, I'm not interested in trading for Bagley if if he's the centerpiece. I mean, I would I would see if kick the tires on Bagley. He's going to have a big cap hold because he was taken so high yeah. in the draft. Third. I think he's already making like $11 million just because he was picked so high. Clearly he hasn't lived up to that hype, but again, Sacramento is where great careers go to die. And then I mentioned golden state. I know you're lukewarm on this idea and, and I understand blazer fans, maybe not being, um, uh, hot on a either. there. You know, he he is out with an injury. And I know big men with injuries scare scare Blazer fans.
1: But you're talking about the guy that has played three college games. James Wiseman. If, if the Warriors
0: want to go all in for use Nurek would of- help them do that. Portland realistically to get a player of of the potential for a player in Nurkic who they may not have in their long-term plans, I think you have to think about it. And
1: if when hits, is he gonna be healthy? Is, yeah, yeah, is is there a timetable for James Wiseman?
0: I, I'm not certain, Sage. I mean, I, I would I would say I don't know, but
1: if the, if he if he can recover health, like he can recover. I do it, but man, I'd bitch about it to you on this podcast quite a bit. That I'm sucks. sure you would. I mean, I bitch about a lot of things. So obviously, but I mean he's he's a toolsy big. I get it. It's just Portland. He wasn't special to me when I watched him.
0: No. But he his he's mobile. Yeah.
1: And would I you rather do- have
0: him or Marvin Bagley? Oh, I would take Wiseman. Okay. I, I think you've seen enough of Bagley, where you're like, see, if you get Bagley, I think there's maybe like a ten percent chance there's still a gem in there. I think if you get Wiseman, it's it's over fifty percent. Like I, Damn. I think okay, it,
1: then you're you're definitely higher on the uh, just because,
0: and it's it's just like the philosophy of like a draft pick versus the actual player that was mm-hmm. picked at that selection. The unknown's always going to have so much more perceived value because it hasn't had a chance to deteriorate yet. It's like a new car on the car lot it hasn't driven off the lot yet, so it still has a ton of value. Um, I just, I just think if if you're able to get a player like that and he hits, Portland just had so it's much. It's a sense. game changer. Like, it's a game changer. Look what happened when Portland moved Rod Strickland for Rasheed Wallace. She'd had a, a decent season rookie year in Washington taken in the top five. He was the linchpin for that last great Portland team in 2000. And they've had success in the past finding lottery picks who found their next home in Portland. I mean, we, we've done it with, with Mo Harkless. We we've done it with Greg Anthony, Stacey Ogman. Like it, it happens in Portland. I, I don't know what's in the water, but, I, I I would really look into that. And if you can if you could get Golden State to buy it on like Larry Nance instead of Nurkic, okay. Oh, I mean
1: that I like I I yeah. It's I'm sure if Cronin gets into a room with James Wiseman, and honestly, we can say the same thing about Jalen. Fuck everything you've seen on tape. This center is special. Like once you get to see what one of those guys can do it could be franchise altering and i get that i would take the chance on it but i reserve the right to bitch my head off about james james not jalen i think he's better but
0: i mean that's kind of what small markets have to do you have to roll the dice a little bit and you have to you have
1: to get lucky but, but just think about when chauncey billups sees james wiseman in a blazers uniform i mean like i get it he the the tools and all of that is really special. I get it. He is a coach's dream, especially Chauncey Billups, because he was he was there in the year the years of the big man dominating. I get it. If that trade was offered, I would take it for sure.
0: I think another team to keep an eye on is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, are you are thinking our, Isaac? Yeah. And the reason I say the Cleveland Cavaliers is they've had a kind of a revitalization. They're 28-19. They're, they're fighting for home court in at the Eastern Conference. They've lost Colin Sexton for the year. They've lost Ricky Rubio for the year. Lowry Mark and just went out for an unknown amount of time. And they're really being held on by Darius Garland and rookie Evan Mobley, as well as Jared Allen up front. They're a team that I think could really use a player like C.J. McCollum to steady that backcourt. He's from Ohio. Um, if you're looking for high upside players, uh, I Isaac- look no further than Isaac Okoro, who was taken, I think, in the top five of that 2020 so,
1: draft. If we traded for Isaac, and I think that is a good move, we have to give him playmaking reps. The big thing about Isaac Okoro what is that he is a playmaking wing, and those are really rare and really nice commodities to have. We just have to be able to give him those playmaking reps because the the, the chance that an athlete like Isaac Okoro has playmaking upside, it, it it's worth it. And I know CJ McCollum is a hefty price to pay for uh, Isaac Okoro, and you'd probably have to get Kevin Love, right, just for salaries match. would be K-Love, Isaac Okoro, and like a second for CJ.
0: Yeah, that's how it would, would balance out. Um, I think Portland has to throw in some salary filler, but love's contract is the same length as McCollum, so you don't really lose too much there. But it just seems like there are a couple teams to keep your eye on. Um Atlanta, Cleveland. I think Charlotte is looking to make a push. They haven't made the playoffs in, in eons. Um I
1: who would just Charlotte give I, away? What's up? What would Charlotte who would Charlotte give away? I think they would eye Nerkic. What they would they like give up to attain Nurkic?
0: I would on if are you trying to get Mason Plumley back? I, I would do the reverse trade. Get Mason Plumley in a first. Unfortunately, they moved they, they moved the first. New York had their first and moved it to I oh, I don't know when their next available first first round pick is. I'm not I, I'm all for first, but I don't want to wait till twenty eight, twenty-nine to, to get it. So it would be maybe a three teamer, but um
1: I would love stage. to take a chance on one of the Martin brothers, the Martin brother that's in Charlotte too. Because you saw what the Martin brother in Miami uh, did, Yeah, I saw Miami what the Martin did brother was, bro. did
0: in, in Miami. That's <laughs> right. Uh, Sage, there have been a lot of big names mentioned, and I'm going to list them off. And let me know if any of them tickle your fancy or if you think Portland should absolutely go after them. Tickle so my I think fancy the, feast? Tickle your fancy feast. Speaking of that, I've got Erdy on my lap right now. So the three players that I, I've heard the most, that the biggest name out there, all been linked in, in one way or another to Portland. You have... Demonis Ben Simmons, and Jalen Brown. Oh, I mean, Jalen Brown's tight. Yeah, I would take that. Is Jalen Brown the only one you would go after? And if so, is is there anything Portland can give that, that makes no, sense? No, because we
1: don't have a first round pick forever. So it doesn't matter. I think Demonis Simonis is best at center, meaning you have to find the perfect power forward for him. We don't have the perfect power forward. We're going to be the worst team defensively ever. And I don't think Demonis is going to get the playmaking reps that he needs to. Be fully optimized. Ben Simmons, I've said what I needed to send to say about his uh the his the mentality that he has on the basketball court. He's very passive. He'll he'll shine away for quarters and games at a time. Jalen Brown would be tight, but other teams are gonna beat us for Jalen Brown. What do the Blazers realistically have to offer that Boston would want? Like, do they want to have CJ McCollum? Do they want to have like Ant's doing well, but you need if you're going to trade away someone like Jalen Brown, it's future picks that teams want, and we just I don't know when that happens. Like if we why give hasn't the it pitch, worked in
0: Boston? What's up? Why hasn't it worked in Boston?
1: I think Jason Tatum isn't as good as people think.
0: <laughs> Do you want to know what's funny? What's up? I was following the Blazers and Celtics. And I was like, oh, Nurk just made that bucket. I was like, Jason Tatum is going to take a last shot. Oh, yeah, and he's yeah, miss it. Yep. He does it every single time he thinks he's right. Yeah. And yeah, I know he had a Kobe game tonight. But he, I yeah, I think he's he's a bit overrated. And Brown's I, a I, also passer, think that,
1: defender.
0: I also think that Danny Ainge kind of let that franchise down. They had that war chest of picks from the Brooklyn Nets. But time and time again, they just let free agent leave without getting anything they let I think Gordon Hayward leave they let uh Kyrie Irving leave for nothing like they they just continued to leave Fournier for nothing I think and they made that move for Kemba Kemba didn't work no Schroeder's not working it just it's Danny Ainge in a way kind of left the Celtics kind of similar to what Neil O'Shea left the Portland
1: Trailblazers I I will say that Jalen and uh Jason are better yes they're in a uh, from better, what they could have been. Oh, absolutely.
0: To what they became—that's that's, that's a tough pill to swallow.
1: Yeah, the, the Celtics are in a bad way, but I think if they were going to rebuild, they'd want future picks. I just don't think we have the 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 draft capital and the the trade capital to attain those big players. If we make a trade for a player that's good, I think you got to think two or three tiers down from. Those sexy names, like even including Jeremy Grant, that we cannot attain Jeremy Grant for the assets we have. So lower the expectations on the superstar player that we could attain if that's the way that we want to, instead of being sellers, we become buyers all of a sudden. It just lower the expectations on the name for uh, who who you're getting. One,
0: 18 days until the trade deadline. Is there anyone on Portland's roster that you would deem untouchable?
1: No. No. Two. Our future first. Our future (laughs) first is untradeable to me. So. A lot of fans have
0: grown attached to Anthony and Nasir Little. Are they true building blocks, or are they just having really nice developmental seasons and it's too early to tell? how special they could become or is it easier with one or
1: the other i think that they're doing very well but if the right trade came across i would trade either of them in an instant and i mean the right trade would probably be a lot of future draft assets so i would absolutely trade ant if the right offer came this year i think is good but again if the right trade came across i would do it at an instant i i know that those are the shining lights for the blazers but uh, I'm trying to take out all, uh, you know, the the heart of it, and just think about, you know, them as players and not as human beings. So I absolutely would uh, would trade both of them if this was a uh, if I was in charge in charge of this simulation for sure.
0: Do you think it's going to be a quiet deadline? No, there will it's going to be a lot of activity for Portland.
1: Okay, I should have let you finish. Um, I think that we make at least. I would say the over under for trades if you're betting is one and a half trades happen for the Blazers in 18 days, in the next 18 days. And you take the over? I would take the over on that. I think, I think at least two players get traded.
0: Okay. I think the consensus is that Covington is the most likely to get traded. Who in your mind is second on that totem pole?
1: It's either Norman or Yusuf. Um, I didn't really think about it in that trading uh, of Norman Powell aspect. I just thought something was wrong with him in terms of his life and him not playing. But if they're trying to work out a trade, I know that a lot of teams could use a Norman Powell. He is the, he could be that missing piece asset. So I think it could, I think it's Covington Norman and then you, would be my, my top three, then throw in Larry Nance to a competitor. I, I think that there's a world where those four players are just off the team and there's future picks and you know expiring players that we have in, in their stead.
0: And in if you're GM Sage and you're building around Dame, those players are off the board, you've got picks, who is that second co-star that you are going aggressively to get this offseason?
1: We would have cap space, right? If you moved
0: Powell and McCollum into trade exceptions or expiring contracts, yeah.
1: yes. So it's I would put a major offer on Miles Bridges and I would put Miles Bridges, Zach Levine. Who's the big man? Is it? I would put money on the John I would do Bridges and Ayton. And one, it makes this uh, the Suns have to make a quick decision on Ayton, which I think is a good thing. Like you, it, but it also ties up their money so they can't improve their team. So I would do. I would put money on Miles Bridges and DeAndre Ayton. I I think it was to borrow a phrase from the early part of this podcast where I was talking shit about my two K teammates. Zach Levine isn't the fastest processor, so I don't know if I want to have another guy like that paired with Dame. So I would go with Miles Bridges and in free agency. No, I I
0: mentioned to you. I I really like those players. Um... I think the way you're able to accomplish that is you have to include Oklahoma city. They have, as as I've discussed on an earlier episode, they have so much salary cap space. They actually haven't even hit the floor, which means if they don't get to that point, they then have to pay out their current players enough money to get to that would get them to that floor. So if they were 5 million below, every member on that team would divide up $5 million from from ownership. So they have some incentive to take on contracts and turn those into assets. So you'd have to involve them in some ways. I think that's how the Lakers can probably actually end up improving is doing a three-team trade with OKC and another team with OKC absorbing contract and the Lakers getting um, whatever piece that they need, that they may need, be so keep that in mind. And the New Orleans has a large trade exception. We've kind of talked about Norman Powell getting absorbed into that, and then taking maybe one of the picks that they got from uh, the Lakers in the Anthony Davis trade. So there are ways for Portland to shed a lot of salary. You could also move Larry Nance for an expiring deal in a pick, and then you're really looking at a roster of just you know Dame and Nasir. The good thing about that is Anthony Simons, because he was taken so low, has a low cap hold. You can tell him, hey, we're going to max you out, just chill out, don't accept any offers, and he won't tie up a ton of cap space. So Portland would actually, in this instance, be a free agent player. And I know it's um an avenue of improving the roster that really hasn't seemed realistic or feasible, given the small market, the history, and Portland's cap situation, but it may be, and and I've talked to you about this over text before Sage. I think it's legitimately the only route to contending with Damian Lillard, given what assets the team has to offer. So if you do have space, yes, there are some restricted free agents out there that that I like. Miles Bridges, uh, Charlotte has to make a decision on that because they've got, they're starting to get money tied up in, in their young core. Phoenix already bucked, at paying Aiton the max, so will will they do it again? I think it really depends on how Phoenix performs. If Phoenix doesn't win the championship, they they may go in another direction. Um, I love DeAndre Aiton. I think he's only getting better. Um, I, I know you said that about Zach Levine, but but I still think he's he's a big guard, and we've seen what what big guards can do for you. Sage, nothing surprises me anymore. I mean, even if we're just talk, uh, paralleling to college football when you've seen players go on the transfer portal, I mean, there was a player for Georgia that just won a championship at Georgia is transferring to Alabama, the team they just beat. So it's it's really strange. Players, there's a lot of empowerment. that they're, they're doing what's best for them. So if he felt like Chicago was the best place for him, obviously, or if he was like, oh, I'm gonna go play with Dame. Um, they had a chance to play with each other in the summer. I don't know if any of that's feasible but again i know good things happen when you have space and you have flexibility so i i really like those uh th- those three as well it's not a great free agent no class, it's,
1: it's pretty underwhelming outside of those guys
0: but if you are able there could be worse things than adding deandre ayton miles bridges to portland's core with all of the picks that they were able to get from all of these trades so, so
1: does a, a core of dame Ant, Nasir, whoever we draft, Miles Bridges and and Let's just say it's perfect. We get everybody. Is that a championship roster?
0: If not, it's the best. I think it's legitimately the best thing Poron could do.
1: And I think it's the best team that games played with talent-wise. Yeah.
0: I I I the fit may be a little awkward. You may have to make a move down the line, but you're so much closer. You're you're maybe that one piece away. Dude, the Norman
1: Valve piece away from it. yeah,
0: but maybe you're like you're like four or five pieces away right now. So you're You've jumped, you know, a few teams in, in, in line and you also give Portland hope down the future. Like it's almost like the Spurs model where, okay, you have David Robinson. Oh, we're going to draft Tim Duncan. And once Tim Duncan starts to decline, oh, we're going to have Kawhi Leonard. So you you would have so much influx in talent that even if Dane declined a bit, you know, Miles and Nasir and Anfernee and DeAndre, they're all going to continue to get better. So that's what I'm looking for, and that's kind of what I was thinking about with the James Wiseman type of trade too. It's like these players are going to get better, and you don't—they you
1: don't, I, they I don't always know, get better. I just want to say that they don't always get better. So they don't you got
0: to—I I, would—I would assume that he would get better. I would yes, make that trade. That's it, a
1: good assumption to make, but sometimes they get worse. But yes, it, it, I, I think that that team is the most competitive. Roster Damien's ever played with, and then you know what happens? It's the most competitive roster Dames ever played with. That means that buyout candidates would actually think that Portland's a feasible place to go. Again, so if look- that team was assembled, it isn't going to be the team that is assembled at the playoffs because there's going to be the David Wests of the NBA that are looking to be on a competitive roster. Paul- Paul Millsaps of the NBA would go to Portland as a as an opportunity to win a chip. The last time Portland was competent, Ennis Ennis was like, "Yeah, I'm
0: going to go to Portland. I'm going to choose them over the Lakers." Mm-hmm. It, it happens, so you have to start start building that. Um, I would say whatever Portland does, though, if they get Miles Bridges, their backup point guard needs to specialize in throwing gloves because that that's that. Well, that, and that you have guy. eight and
1: two, so
0: yeah, they are some high flyers. Um, there, but that that is some some wishful thinking, Sage. Yeah,
1: we just we just played the NBA two K, Miley. We and,
0: just did yeah. NBA two K GM, basically, right there. So Portland has won six of their last eight games. They've done it shorthanded, but maybe more balanced. I know on an episode or two prior, you weren't really sold in terms of who they were beating. Has anything changed, in your opinion, after this road trip? Yeah, my year?
1: opinion of the Celtics changed quite a bit. because you were dub wrong. any of these victories,
0: like, good? Or, like, are you still waiting to see more from from the Blazers?
1: I think that every team that we beat is flawed, but I think that the Raptors was an impressive win. I think the Celtics, I mean, they're competing. They should have won. They should have been trying harder. They just didn't. I think our defense is fraudulent. And if you really work hard offensively, you can expose us. The Celtics didn't do it, and the Toronto Raptors sure as didn't do it in the first half. I, I think that those are two wins that are, you should be proud of because of you know the playoff spots that they are in the East. So, I mean, those were impressive. I honestly thought that Toronto was going to have a better showing, and then they didn't. Um, so those two wins are, were good. Um, Orlando what did the Miami playoffs. do.
0: In that fourth quarter, that really gives you pause about being too high about what's going
1: on in Portland right now. Our defense is bad, man. Um, Yusuf can do all he can to, you know, make us competent, but we let Max Struess and uh, the Martin brother and shoot. Who's the other guy? Uh, we let some. We let Miami's bench beat us. Because Jimmy Butler got frustrated and got teed out. So they didn't beat us with their, you know, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lauer. It was the replacements that beat us in the wings. And Bam Adebayo had a great game. Yeah, Kyle
0: didn't play. Tyler didn't play. And
1: Jimmy Buckets got tossed within a quarter. So that's... What do you think the Heat are going to do about Duncan Robinson? They're about to pay him a shitload of money to play 18 minutes a game. I don't
0: know. But if there's one organization I kind of trust, it's the Miami Heat they're sitting, they're sitting at, at first in the eastern conference they seem to know what they're doing i, I mentioned it on um in upcoming future friday that hasn't been released quite yet they just find <laughs> players that, that they just find players that nobody wants they turn them into gabe vincent was the point guard that i forgot they turn them into role players like who has heard of gabe vincent or max Struess or even duncan robinson before duncan robinson like they find these players and they go out and, and they become players that now other teams want, but they've kind of taken that torch from the San Antonio Spurs where when the Spurs wanted somebody it was like, Oh, that's the Spurs system guy. They're going to go light it up. Now it's it's Miami. Like Eric bolster is he's, he's the golden goose. Like he, I think he is the, the cream of the crop when it comes to NBA coaches and the, the buttons he's pushing they're all the right ones that they look fantastic. And I think once they get healthy and locked in, they have a playoff caliber roster. So that honestly, the East is going to be really
1: fun come mm-hmm. postseason time. Yeah. I mean, having a vet like Donis Haslam and like established culture and shit. Like, I think I texted this to you, but like, I'm jealous of Heat fans to have a competent management. We haven't really dealt with that in a long ass time. So I don't even know what that's like. All right, Sage,
0: let's look ahead at the week and the upcoming slate of games for the Portland Trailblazers. They return home for two against the Timberwolves on Tuesday and a back-to-back Wednesday against the Dallas Mavericks. Then they head out for a four-game road trip. We will talk about the one on Friday at Houston, followed up by Sunday in the Windy City to take on the Chicago Bulls. A game. The Chicago Bulls are? Yeah, it's at 1230. 1230, you're right. Sorry. Basketball reference has the the Eastern time. I'm like, 330? I guess it's a matinee. I was more like an early bird dinner type of thing. You're right. Yeah, it is a 1230 game on, on Sunday. But up first is the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a team that is just ahead of Portland in the playoff standings. They are sitting at 500 at 23 and 23. They are just 10 and 13 on the road, but they did beat the Blazers. Sage, what what do you fans
1: need to look out for in this game? What are some of the matchups that you're going to be interested in seeing? Um, is D'Lo playing? I, I remember D'Lo being hurt and then Pat Bev being hurt. Pat Bev is day-to-day. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is not listed on the injury report. Ant Edwards is the main guy you have to really worry about. Finch's offense used to be really post-heavy. Like, they would... He, he's worked with Boogie Cousins. He's worked with uh, Nikolai Jokic. He's been a post guy. So it's kind of weird to see their offense now being run through Ant Edwards and D'Angelo Russell, and then Cat being the third guy on the totem pole, and then sometimes Pat Bev shooting more than Cat. It's, it's Ant Edwards. I think Cat I th- I and Yusuf are going to battle it out, but I'm most worried about how we defend Ant-Man because – that dude is special uh athletically and if he's engaged in this game we're in trouble cuz there's no one on this team that can defend him and shit are we going to deal with Norman Powell getting thrown into the rotation too to cause more i think right now we're on the we're on the edge of there are too many players for f- too few positions right now too many chefs in the kitchen yeah so too many guards in the kitchen so <laughs> I, I, I think Ant Edwards is going to be the biggest thing. And if D'Lo happens to steal possessions from Ant, that's a great thing for us. So. I mean,
0: D'Angelo had 30, 31 points on 56% shooting uh, against the, the Hawks in, in a loss. Um, but they did start D'Angelo, Pat Bev, and, and Anthony Edwards. In How many shots lineup. did
1: Pat Bev take?
0: So it'll be interesting if they go small and it kind of matches up with Portland. But the the, the matchup I'm looking for is, I discussed it earlier, Nurk plays really well against centers that he's clearly better than, but when he goes up against centers that are a tier or two above him, he tends to struggle. So, how will he match up with with Carl Carl Anthony Towns? Can he just even negate what Towns is able to produce? Can he kind of balance him out, or is Cat just going to have a a mammoth night and it's going to be like, okay, you know, this is what an All NBA center is is capable of? So that's the matchup that I'm going to keep my eyes on,
1: but. I feel like Yusuf could punk him. Like just on pure strength, Yusuf could make Cat not want to try hard. There there is definitely a world where that happens. If if Cat had the Dylan Brooks mentality, he would be the best player in the league. He just doesn't um but it it it's it's been a very weird team to watch. Like there's possessions where Cat passes it to Ant and Cat just goes back on defense because he knows he's not getting the ball back and Ant's just going to chuck. So, there, I mean, the road to the Blazers winning, you know, if Ant's having a off day and Cat doesn't feel motivated to play because Yusuf's playing too, diff, uh, too hard with him, I think that's the way. Try and limit all of those, you know, momentum-changing dunks that Ant can do against this bad defense.
0: Up next, I think is going to be a difficult game in the red hot Dallas Mavericks. Not only it is a, a back-to-back, but Dallas has won 8 of their last 10. They're above 500 on the the road this year and they just came off an impressive victory over the Memphis Grizzlies 104 to 91. And I think that the question that we're all asking is what does Portland do with Luka Doncic because we have nobody in our backcourt or frontcourt that that can that can stick
1: with him. Robert Covington on him. Cause I think he'd be too, he's too big for all of the guards. He'll just body them. I worry that Nasir might be too aggressive and pick up early fouls, which Luca's absolutely known to do. So yeah, I mean, Luca, and then that they have a lot of players that could absolutely have ceiling games against us. Like, you know, Brunson's a very good player. I, I don't know if Chris Taps is playing. I just avoid playing. I avoid playing him in DFS. So they I don't are really at know. full health right now. Okay.
0: I mean, Maxi Kleber is good. Maxi Kleber has given us the business before. I mean, I think this is a game where Portland, you, you talked about it. If teams want to make Portland play defense and, and move the ball around, they're going to get looks. They already put up 132 points on Portland in Portland with without Luca. Uh, just last month so this team kind of already has a blueprint for how they want to attack the Blazers is there anything Portland can do or is it just going to be predicated on how disciplined and patient Dallas is going to be on the offensive end of the floor
1: I honestly don't expect us to change our defense or anything my main like thinking about this team is who does Yusuf defend because they could just five out us relatively
0: easy it's going to have to be Chris Dapps. I don't think you can have him guarding uh, Dorian Finney Smith or uh, Maxi Kleba. I mean, they both can space four.
1: Yeah. And then Chris Dapps, absolutely. Yeah, I, he, it's he, a he, bad uh, matchup I, for this team. It is. It's tough. Matchups dictate a lot of things. Matchups dictate fights. Matchups dictate basketball games. This is just a bad matchup for us, especially if Luca's doing Luca things. I mean,
0: Up next is the first of four on the road against the Houston Rockets. They are a Western Conference worst 14-33. and They are only 7-13 and at home. It was the team Portland got their first road victory of the year against. However, they have been playing teams tougher as of late. They had a a game slip away against the Golden State Warriors. They only lost by two uh, against Golden State in the Bay. And they recently went one in Sacramento and in Utah. So it's kind of a a team where they could get into fights with, with whether it's Kevin Porter jr. And and Christian Wood, or they can come together and they have a shit ton of talent. They're just kind of like a grab bag. So you just don't know what to expect.
1: Yeah. And you don't know who's, who's healthy for that team. You know, they got guys like Garrison Matthews, Eric Gordon, who can space the floor. Like you, Jalen green is an athletic freak. Like they have players that could absolutely positively give us fits. I remember my ugly when we played them last time was Eric Gordon blocking both and Sir little and Anthony Simons. So hopefully in this game, that doesn't happen. Um, you know, uh, Christian wood can do really well against us with the pick and roll um, Porter, obviously running that pick and roll. Um, Jalen green using his athleticism against Eric. Um, no, CJ McCollum, not Eric Gordon. Whoops. Um, A player that I really am interested in with the Houston Rockets is uh, Alperen Sangoon. He doesn't really start. I don't know if like the uh, Steven Silas really likes him, but they gave up two first round picks for him. So he better start to like him. but he's a very talented scorer. Um, He could definitely give Trenton Wadford the business in the the backups uh, time to run uh Th- Thice is a good player they have good players they just haven't gotten together in soccer I mean like I said they, they are feast or famine yeah. I
0: mean you talk about Jalen Green who was uh the number two overall pick he went 0 of 11 uh, against the Warriors yet they still were, were in that game that they, they have NBA players in Christian Wood uh Kenny Martin Jr is a fantastic young player Jay Sean Tate's Jay Sean a fantastic Tate young player. And they have Eric Gordon, who I know you don't like, but is capable of putting a team on his back and hitting like six threes in a quarter. You oh, have he's, to, he's, he's you have great to take this play. team seriously. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see Armor how Blazers, Blazers would not approach take this, this game because mm-hmm. they've had success on the road recently. Houston's the worst team in in the Western Conference. Will they kind of just waltz in there believing they're going to win? or are they going to go out and try and take it? So I think that game will kind of tell me a lot about where this team is at
1: mentally. Former Blazer teams would not take this game seriously because no, of how we, we, we know that. Yeah, Like I remember us being on, not us, but them being on the radio talking about how they would beat the shit out of the process Philly team. And then when that happened, it didn't go that way. They gave so, us the business. This. I mean, what what's the difference between the process Philly team and this Rockets team other than, more capable shooters on this rocket team. I mean, go. No. And then the last
0: game we will discuss is uh, the Chicago bulls. The second time the blazers have seen them this year, the blade, uh, excuse me, the bulls were 28 and 17 on the season third in the Eastern conference, but they are slumping. They've lost two straight games and they have lost seven of their last 10. They are incredibly dinged up right now. Lonzo Ball underwent underwent surgery on his left knee. He is going to return in six to eight weeks. Alex Caruso took a nasty spill off of a flagrant two foul from Grayson Allen. He is going to be out six to
1: eight weeks. He was live. a problem against us.
0: Yeah, An and he he uh, he has to re- re- oh, repair his fractured right wrist. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. is going to miss four to six weeks. Oh. Uh, Patrick Williams is is still out. Zach Levine is, he was out for today's game
1: uh, against the Magic. It, it's really Vucevic. That shouldn't and, be, that shouldn't be, they could beat, <laughs> Purdue could beat Orlando right now, bro.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan. I mean, it, it's a proud team, a proud franchise, but they are on the ropes right now. Uh, where does Chicago go, and and how does Portland match up with this current iteration of the bowl, Sage?
1: I feel like Demar Rosen is going to be a problem for us, man. Like he was in Portland earlier this year. Yeah. Season. Well, just think about the strength factor. Like Demar has been in the league forever. He knows all the ways to get an excitable young young player into foul trouble very quick. I feel like Zach Levine will play against us. Probably because Orlando is kind of a joke, but AO DeSouma has been playing really well for him as well. So they do, they still have NBA players, even though they're decimated with injuries. Um, they're still a very good team in the East. I think Voos and Nurk, that matchup's going to be pretty uh, interesting to see since they're both you know, traditional centers that do traditional centers things. I've always liked Vucevic. I think he contributes in a lot of different facets in the game, but Nurk has to establish dominance against him if we're trying to win. I think if Zach Levine's out, we try and throw pressure at DeMar every chance we get to get the ball out of his hands and force A.O. and whoever, you know, is running point or whoever to uh, score against us. There's, there's targetable players on this team, but. It's still a very good team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of talked about it earlier in the year when when relating to the Clippers. Like, they have a lot of injuries, but they're a team that believes they're playing for something bigger than just a playoff appearance. This Chicago team, it feels like they're playing for something bigger, and there's just a collective belief that they are going to always be competitive. And they really impressed me. I watched a bit of the game against the bucks. They only lost by four, but they were so decimated, but DeMar put them on his back. He had 35 points on 50% shooting. He got to the line 18 times. He is going to be an absolute nightmare for Portland to try to defend. It also gives Chicago an opportunity to showcase a player like Kobe white um, they still have Matt Thomas, who uh, t- uh, Toronto Matt Thomas mm-hmm. was a problem for Portland a few years ago. He can get hot from downtown. Like, these these are NBA players, and it's almost like next man up for them. But, but I mean, DeMar DeRozan needs to be first or second all, all NBA this year. He's been yeah. so fantastic, and really the reason Chicago's had a resurgence.
1: This team only has, like, one established way of winning games and its use of Nurkic. Dominating, and then one of our two guards having having good games. So, I mean, the, the the thing is, are we going to see Norman Powell? How, I need to know how this affects the guards and the rotations. Do we put like we, if and when Norman comes back, are we playing him thirty plus minutes, or is he going off the bench? Like, there's so many questions about potential rotations because we haven't seen this version of the Portland Trail Blazers play so what's going to happen and if norman comes back and is healthy and ready and mentally there i can't wait to see it um but uh do you have anything else do we have any fan questions or are we wrapping this bad boy
0: let's wrap this bad boy up.
1: so you can listen to us on itunes stitcher himalaya podcast dash radio nothing but net radio tuesdays oh shit four to five eastern two to three pacific and uh thank you so much for listening and uh be good to one another. We out of here. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shineley. Good night, everybody. Let's go.